0: Every member in a family has a responsibility. The dad is called to be the spiritual leader of the family. He typically works to support the family. He is to love his wife like Christ loves the church. The wife may also work outside the home to support the family. She is the primary caregiver to the family. She's an equal partner with her husband. If we have kids, kids, of course, are an amazing source of joy. And they also help us spend our retirement before we ever get to retire. The St. Louis Blues hockey team is also like a family, a family that just won the Stanley Cup. And and like a family, each Blues team member has responsibilities. Craig Berube's job is to coach the team, to challenge them, to encourage them, and to keep them focused. And of course, he appears to have done a fantastic job. Just look at the results. Alex Petrangelo is the team captain. He is an on-ice leader. He's a defenseman, which means his job was to frustrate the Bruins' offensive efforts. He did a good job, and he also contributed with timely goals and assists. Ryan O'Reilly's role was to score goals and to assist on others' goals. He gave out hits and took hits, even though he evidently had a cracked rib. O'Reilly played so well that he won the MVP award. And then there's Jordan Bennington. His job was to keep whatever the Bruins threw at him out of the net. I think we'd all agree he was amazing. I I did see on Facebook something that's probably not, I know it's not theologically correct, but on Facebook I saw that only Jesus has more saves than Bennington. And I guess that could be true, but Jesus' saves are eternal. And the rest of the Blues played their roles well as did the Boston Bruins. You see, the Bruins were responsible for providing good competition. And the Blues had to have someone to beat. Take that, Bobby Orr. If you were with us last week, you might remember that we focused on several verses from the first chapter of the Apostle Paul's letter to Titus. When Paul wrote to him, Titus was on the island of Crete. He was helping to organize the churches there. And these churches faced problems with false teachers. The false teachers were promoting the idea that to be made right with God, you needed Jesus plus works. In other words, not only did a person need to trust in Jesus, they also had to earn God's favor by their good deeds or keeping Jewish traditions. And this teaching was dangerous and it was an error. Such thinking still exists today. We need to remember that being made right with God, receiving salvation, it's all about Jesus. His gift of forgiveness and grace. We accept Jesus' gift when we trust our lives to Him. And we need to remember, too, that we can't add to what Jesus has already done. And that's great news. This morning we're going to be in Titus chapter 2, and if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Reading beginning in verse 1, Paul writes, he says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women are likewise to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine." They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. And then Paul concludes, he says, Likewise, he says, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity Dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Now, if you go back to the beginning, there to Paul's very first words, he says, "But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine." And Paul here was contra- contrasting Christian teaching to what the false teachers were doing. Titus and the church leaders were to teach sound doctrine. And we hear that, we hear sound doctrine, and that sounds intimidating. We think it's going to be something that's deeply theological. And yet what Paul followed in his doctrine was intensely practical. You see, sound doctrine, which is simply right beliefs about Jesus and his teaching, sound doctrine leads to right living in a very practical sense. And so Paul's lesson on right living in our passage we'll see was directed at the roles and responsibilities in the church community and in the church family. And today's message is a down-to-earth lesson in family responsibilities, family responsibilities within our church body and for our homes. When a church handles its responsibilities correctly, It provides a defense against false teaching. And and similarly, when a family lives out its purposes designed by God, it's got a layer of protection against misguided beliefs of our culture. Dr. Brian Chappell gave some examples of what this looks like in everyday life. He said Paul's teaching helps the businessman whose industry is characterized by compromises that are contrary to the gospel. This businessman suspects his challenging the system will only bring failure to his career. And yet he knows he's called to model Christian dignity. And he does that. And in so doing, the businessman fights for what is right. Paul's teaching also helps a young mother who is wrestling with what Scripture says about her commitments to her family compared to what the culture and her friends say about her value in the workplace. And she is assured of her value at home and at work by this sound doctrine. And then Chapel finally goes on and he says, This teaching of Paul also guides a family so caught up in materialism that they don't even notice it's a sin of idolatry. They're worshiping their stuff instead of God. And this materialistic sin is making their everyday life more desperate it's making it more desperate financially, relationally, and spiritually. God's Word helps families live counterculturally for Christ. In Bethesda, this church is truly a family. We're a church with a strong sense of community. In today's nonstop cyber world, authentic community is essential. It's what people are longing for. And still, as a church, though, so we have so much room for improvement. I just want to say, if you're visiting today, or maybe you've only been with Bethesda a short time, we want you to know that you are family. We want you here. You have a place and purpose in this church family. And today's message relates to our church family as well as it does to our family at home. And the first thing we see in Paul's writing is, in our Christian family, older men are to demonstrate love, faith, and endurance. Now, I think before we go any further, we need to identify older, as in older men and older women. And as I thought about this, it became clear to me that if you have to ask the question, am I older? Guess what? You're older. But it's a good thing. It has to do with maturity in the faith as much as it has to do with age. And with that in mind, let's look at verse 2. Paul wrote, he said, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. These older men were the natural leaders. Paul was saying that they need to be involved in the lives of others, particularly the younger men of the church. They are disciple makers. They demonstrate their love, faithfulness, and endurance in their behaviors by the way they act. First, the way they act is that they're to be sober-minded, which is simply to say that they're to be clear-headed. They make use of the wisdom that God has given them over their lifetime. They're dignified, which could be stated they are worthy of respect. They're self-controlled, and and self-controlled is so important, and it's an area where we can so easily fall short. Just last weekend, Mary and I were out for an evening with a bunch of my high school friends. We all graduated from Afton High School in 1977. It was a big 60th birthday party for all of us. And I'll tell you, my friends are great. But when we get together, we're not always sober-minded, dignified, or self-controlled. There's a temptation to revert back to how we acted when we were 18 years old. And it's not a mature 18 years old. Of course, I can tell you that I remain a picture of maturity. Just don't ask my wife. The picture of maturity that older men present demonstrates love, faith, and endurance Love speaks to our relationship with others. Faith speaks to our relationship with God. And endurance, our steadfastness, shows in our loving and being faithful over the long haul. The mature Christian is focused both vertically and horizontally. We focus vertically on God and we focus horizontally on the people around us older men are to teach from their foundation in christ they love god that's the vertical aspect they love people that's the horizontal aspect also in our christian family older women are to teach godly conduct now i gotta admit just saying older women makes me just a little bit nervous I don't want any woman leaving here this morning saying, the pastor called me an old lady. Now maybe I should say mature woman. Or we could say these ladies have, have been around the block a few times. But that would probably get me in trouble. So just forget that I said that. Maybe when Paul says older, let's think of more established women. Ladies, you're not getting older. You're getting better. Does that work? Is that helping me dig myself out of the hole that I dug with my around-the-block-a-couple-times statement? Well, anyway, Paul wrote that these established, beautiful, mature ladies are likewise to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women. See, their reverent behavior honors God. They control their tongue. They don't gossip. Their words are not harsh they don't drink too much alcohol their reputation speaks for them the older woman's godly conduct points people to christ and in doing so they teach what is good they train the young woman by their words and actions they teach them about jesus You have to realize the culture of Crete, where Titus ministered, it was not known for encouraging marital fidelity. It was not known for even the basics of maternal commitment to the family. And Paul here was telling the women, he said, you're to look, Christian women, you were to look different. They were to model godly conduct and teach it. And the same is true today. Speaking of the younger women, Younger women learn to prioritize family. Paul wrote, He said, train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. And and so, ladies, you might be sitting there and you might be wondering well, what if I'm single? What if I don't have children? Paul's teaching is for you as well. You are to care for the family that you've been given, whether they're your biological family or maybe just a group of people who are close to you. If you're not a, a mom, you still are a woman who has been created by God to be a woman. And as such, you have the ability to care for others in a way that men are incapable of doing. And those are gifts from God. Take care of whatever family God has given you. Paul spoke of being pure. If you're single, keep yourself sexually pure. If you've not been pure, you can rededicate yourself to purity. A wife's purity comes from belonging only to her husband. Paul said women are to be working at home and be submissive to their husband. I'm guessing those statements might raise questions. Well, first, I want to tell you, Paul was not saying that women cannot work outside the home. Proverbs 31 in the Old Testament speaks of a woman who fears the Lord. And this woman purchased a field and worked in the vineyard Vineyard she planted. In verse 18 of Proverbs 31, it speaks of her selling her merchandise. A little later, she makes linen garden garments and she sells them. Women can work outside the home. It's biblical. The, the Greek word Paul used there could be translated as home workers. And what he was saying is the woman is to carry the primary responsibility of caring for the household. It doesn't mean us guys don't have to help with the kids or the laundry or the house cleaning, but it does mean that the woman is to make her her family a priority. And as far as submitting to your husbands, it's also biblical. Ephesians 5 speaks directly to it. But you have to realize that in Ephesians 5, the first things that Paul wrote is that we are to submit to one another. Paul taught the husband to love his wife like Christ loved the church. Jesus died for the church. The sacrificial love given to a wife by her husband is to be complemented by the wife submitting to his spiritual leadership. Finally, in our Christian family, younger men are to model faithful integrity. Paul wrote in verses 6-8, through Likewise, encourage the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Guys modeling faithful integrity begins with self control. Paul has given those words of advice to others in this passage, but I think self control may be the biggest lesson for the younger guys. And what Paul's saying here is guys don't get all crazy, love God, serve others. Maybe at the Blues Parade, uh, that message should have been heard by the players. They were just having fun, but being. Self-controlled is a lot more fun than being out of control. Faithful integrity is displayed as we keep our language clean. Nothing will destroy our credibility faster than our mouth. Be faithful, guys, in studying your Bible. Doing, Doing so makes you strong. Trust in God. Teach others about Jesus. If you're married, love your wife. She is a gift from God. Protect her. If you have kids... Spend time with them. Work is always going to be there. Your kids won't always be there. If you work too much, you'll risk your family. And no job is worth that risk. Go against the culture's picture of men as lazy, beer-drinking, overgrown boys. Be a man. 1 Corinthians 16.13 says it plainly. Paul writes, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Act like men, the way God calls men to act. One of the Stanley Cup traditions is that the winning team carries the cup around the ice, and each player does that. And the first one to carry it for the Blues was Alex Petrangelo, the captain. But surprisingly, the fourth player to skate with the cup was a veteran, Chris Thornburn. Chris didn't play a single minute in the playoffs. In fact, he only played one minute and 52 seconds during the whole season. He spent most of the years in the minors. And he's not a young guy. And yet this is what Captain Petrangelo had to say about Chris. He's been a huge part of our group since day one when he got here. And then Petrangelo continued. He said, nobody bigger than him. He is a heart and soul kind of guy. The whole team loves him. All that credit for a guy who didn't play. But Thornburg did play. He played his role with the team. He practiced with the Blues throughout the playoffs. He had responsibilities that he obviously took care of. It reminds us, though, that most of us will never be famous. But that doesn't mean that we're not important to the kingdom of God. Every one of us has responsibilities in the body of Christ. Our Vacation Bible School is a great example. Some of you work in the kitchen. You make sure the snacks are ready. There are crew leaders. They teach and care for a group of children. There are those who work in crafts and games and chatter theater and Bible exploration, and they help with the computer. Each role has a specific set of responsibilities. Our custodians put in extra hours keeping the place clean. Amber takes pictures, sets up the spotlight theater, and keeps the office running. Scott Miller, our work camp teens, and their sponsors build many of the decorations. And then there's Carolyn. Each day she leads worship. She's the main troubleshooter. She provides guidance. She prays, and somehow... By God's grace, somehow she makes it all work. And if everyone does their role, if they each handle their responsibility, it's a great week. Kids have fun, and they learn about Jesus. And it happens every year. Whether it's our church family or our own family, we all have family responsibilities. Our responsibilities are different. None is better than another. They complement each other, and when that happens, the faith is defended. The truth is spoken. Jesus' love is shown to all, and people come to Christ.